Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the Old Testament reading from the prophet Jeremiah, particularly verses 12 through 15. And Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the words you have heard. Now therefore mend your ways and your deeds, and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and its inhabitants. For in truth, the Lord sent me to to you to speak all these words in your ears. So far, our text. As we look at our Old Testament reading this morning, we see the aftermath of standing firm on God's word in the face of persecution. Jeremiah has been given hard words to say against the people. If you will not listen to me, to walk in my law that I have set before you, and to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I sent to you urgently, though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh, and I will make this city a curse for all the nations of the earth. These are definitely hard words that were unpopular for the prophets and the priests who heard them. But God sends Jeremiah to the temple to stand in the court of the Lord's house. Jeremiah was like all the previous prophets whom God had sent to Jerusalem urgently. And he tells them, do not hold back a word. Say everything that I have told you to say. And Jeremiah shows us the picture of what we sang at the beginning of our service this morning. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. Satan had already shaken Judah to the point that the prophets and the priests were mixing the worship of the true God with the worship of all the other gods around them. But Jeremiah stands firm with God. In his words, God reminds the people, especially the prophets and priests whose livelihoods and lives revolve around the temple of the law that he had given, the law that they had broken, because they had imitated the nations around them, instead of imitating what God gave them in the law. Which is why Paul can encourage us in our epistle reading, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example of you have in us. Jeremiah could say, you have Moses, you have Elijah, you have all the other prophets that have come before me that you could look and you could imitate. But you imitate the people of the pagan nations around us. And God does not appreciate that. But then again, the prophets and priests were not very different from what many pastors do today. Only teaching what is popular and what itching ears want to hear. Paul tells the Philippians, for many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ, bearing the name, but saying a completely different thing, living a completely different life. What really got Jeremiah in trouble was saying that Shiloh was going to be... that Jerusalem is going to become a desolation like Shiloh. And Shiloh became a desolation because of Eli's sons, who were self-absorbed priests, 
thinking they were better than everyone else and could say whatever they wanted. And these self-absorbed priests made the Ark of Covenant a good luck charm, drug it into a battle with the Philistines, which then the Philistines won the battle, took the Ark of the Covenant, and killed the priest. Didn't, wasn't so good luck, was it? But these same priests in Jeremiah's time are, again, self-absorbed, secure in their jobs. And so they demand Jeremiah's death. They seek to kill one of their own because Jeremiah is from a priestly family. No wonder Jesus, when talking to some of the Pharisees, cries out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Because one way or another, Jerusalem always ends up getting rid of the prophets of God. And in this case, all the people gathered around Jeremiah in in the court of the Lord's house and said, this man deserves a sentence of death because he has prophesied against this city. Thinking, of course, that because they were in Jerusalem, they were safe. Because they were around the temple, they were safe. And nothing could harm them. Sound familiar? Now the story gets repeated over and over again. But also repeated with that story, in the face of death, Jeremiah continues to cry out, Now therefore mend your ways and your deeds. As we said in the psalm this morning, asking truly the question, How long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? How long will you let your ears itch to hear what you want to hear and bounce around from word to word trying to figure out what sounds good today? Jeremiah stood in the courts of the Lord's house knowing that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself and he was one of the godly. Not because there was anything in him but because he had been chosen by God even from before his birth to be a prophet for the destruction of Jerusalem. And I'm sure as he's there, surrounded by the people, he had a prayer that we'll sing in a few moments in his mind, or something similar to it. Lord, grant that I in every place may glorify thy lavish grace and help and serve my neighbor. Because yes, Jeremiah could come in, guns blazing, saying how horrible people are, and say they're all going to hell in a handbasket and there's no hope for them. But he doesn't do that. He, has, he encourages them to mend their ways and their deeds, to obey the voice of the Lord, to return to the Lord their God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Because the only way you can mend your ways and your deeds is by listening to God's true word, regardless of how hard it might be. So not only mending, but part of that being obeying the voice of the Lord your God. Again, bringing out that idea of imitation, where Jesus blazed the path of true obedience, shone as light amidst the gloom. He came not only to be our Savior, but also to be an example that we might imitate, which Paul encourages the Philippians and the Corinthians and all the congregations that he works with 
to be imitators of Him as He is an imitator of Christ. And in that way, imitating Him, imperfectly of course, but still doing what we can, trying to offer right sacrifices by putting our trust in the Lord. And in this way, we can stand firm. In this way, we can have that firm foundation in His excellent Word. Not because we think we have it down pat and everything, but because we still know that we still need to hear it. And listening to it again and again, the promise comes through that we sang earlier. I'll strengthen you, help you, and cause you to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. All of it is God working in your life through His Word. As you listen and obey, He strengthens you. He helps you. He causes you to stand even when everything else wants to knock you down. Being upheld by His righteousness. And very much like Jonah, a couple of centuries earlier, Jeremiah says, you know, if you do this, the Lord will relent of the disaster He has pronounced against you. Because the Lord hears when His children call. That's one of the great things of Psalm 4, one of the great reasons why it is a wonderful funeral hymn. Starting out by crying out, Answer me, O God of my righteousness. But then reminding us of the fact that God has set us apart through our baptisms, given us new names, new lives, strengthening us in everything. But again, we stray, just like the prophets in Jeremiah's day, just like the Pharisees in Jesus' day. So Jesus also has to cry out over Jerusalem, How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing? How many times I have wanted to relent of the disasters that I have proclaimed against you, but you just wouldn't listen. And even then, he says, I would love to do it again, but you're not going to listen. And he says that you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Marking that this would be the last time he publicly teaches in Jerusalem before Palm Sunday. Before the day, yes, where he is surrounded by pilgrims shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And as he rides into Jerusalem that day, he's very much like Jeremiah. I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Well, we heard what was good and right to the Pharisees or to the to the prophets and the priests in Jeremiah's day. They wanted him executed. We heard what was good and right for the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Jesus' day. They had him crucified. But again, we go back to Psalm 4. Starting off again, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. But ending with the firm confidence, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. Because we know that God holds us in the palms of his hands. We know that he cares for us 
That is why he sent Jesus in the first place. That is why, over and over and over again, generation after generation, he has tried to spread his wings over his people and bring them in for refuge and safety and protection. But some refused to be gathered. But those who are gathered, those who do find refuge in him, can then sing as we will in a moment. Then from death awaken me, that these mine eyes with joy may see, O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my fount of grace. We can see God face to face. That is the hope that we have in Jesus. That is what happens when we put ourselves in His hands and He does with us what seems good and right to Him. He forgives us. He strengthens us. He grants us one of the things that I'm pretty sure all of us need more than anything else in this life. Patience. Because he doesn't always do it quickly. Although he sends prophets and preachers urgently, sometimes he also says, yeah, you got to wait for a little bit. And so Jesus says to the Pharisees, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Much like he said with his first miracle, my time has not yet come, but it's getting closer. In the end, yes, Jesus was put to death. Jeremiah was not. The officials spared him of that sighting Similar prophecies by Micah and other prophets. And so Jeremiah would continue to preach God's word, standing firm in the face of persecution the rest of his life. Just like Jesus calls each of us to do. Yes, he was put to death, but he rose again from the dead, giving us that hope of everlasting life, giving us that promise of strength when we face our own persecutions. The strength also to be able to mend our ways and our deeds as we obey His voice. Amen.